It's the only wrestling podcast on earth with one MLB all-star who's not here today, Dimitri Young. I think he may pop in a little bit later. Lars Fredrickson from Rancid, who is not here. Uh, get well soon. He got in a little accident, and maybe he'll tell it on the next podcast. I sure hope he does, because <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> but. We have a four-time Stanley Cup champion, Darren McCarty, who may or may not show up. It's up in the air. We have one two-time X Division champion. How's she going, eh? I'm not even done with your intro. The man behind the man, behind the man at Impact Wrestling, my best friend in yours, PD Williams. How is she going, eh? There you go. And a guy who I'm really excited about, he is, I can't wait because it's been dumb luck that he made some major news last week. By the way, you know, we're pre-recording this. <laughs> yeah. So, made some major news before or no, after I asked him to be on the podcast. So it wasn't like, oh, come on the podcast. We're going to vulture this story. So dumb luck. We got lucky. That's I only did it for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I told them. And everybody was like, no way. I'm like, Joey's that kind of guy. I don't know what to tell you. Where I'm going to do a great stunt for some strange guy on the internet that I have no clue, but he knows a lot of cool, famous people. That's kind of the, how the story went. But the bad boy himself, Joey Janela. Joey, thank you so much for sitting in with us. Hey, no problem. Got nothing else to do on a uh, Wednesday night. By the way, uh, before we like start throwing topics at you and talking wrestling, I have to say the work you've done with Sunny Kiss has been some of my favorite stuff I've seen in 2021. And I, I really hope you guys continue to do some stuff like that because it's it's refreshing. Oh, yeah. Uh, it kind of was a thrown together thing. Uh, they wanted to team us up at the Prudential Center show that never happened uh, because of COVID uh, since we're both from New Jersey. And then I guess just when we started uh, doing the tapings down in Jacksonville, they just ran with it. And, uh, you know, we've been holding it down for the the YouTube show. And uh, that's just as, as important than the TV show because um, that attracts new viewers. So we're, let's go to uh, like, how'd you get, obviously been wrestling for a long time. I mean, we'll get into all your backstory, but let's just skip ahead to uh, how you started with AEW. So how did that all come? Like, did you contact them? Did they contact you? Was it like, you know, were you on their radar? Like who contacted you? Uh, a lot of people uh, on the internet, a lot of people that don't like me, they, they assume that I, for some reason, I'm best friends with the Young Bucks. That's not the case. Uh, I was doing a string of successful independent uh, shows with Game Changer Wrestling called Spring Break. Uh, had a lot of buzz around them, and I had a lot of buzz around some of my indie matches and some of the stuff I was doing, uh, video work and whatnot. And uh, a lot of people didn't do that stuff uh, a few years ago. It's a lot more prevalent now thanks to me and John Carlo, the video guy that uh, I worked with. But that caught their attention. Uh, and... I uh, decided just to send them a message on uh, social media. I sent Matt Jackson a message to do the all-in show. Uh, I didn't expect anything from it. I think I was drunk. I'm just like, whatever. Uh, I'll go send him a <laughs> message. And uh, he said, hell yeah. Let's, uh, I talked to the boys. You're in. I said, okay. That's uh, kind, of, uh, kind of strange. But okay, let's do it. And, uh, and the show sold out. And uh, me and Adam Page, we stole the show. Besides going eight minutes over our time, which I, I don't know, I'm just an, I'm just an indie mud show fuck, uh, out, outlaw wrestler. So I don't know anything about time minutes, and man. TV. Wow, it's okay. fucked. Yeah, that was just the first time. That was my first time on pay per view and whatnot. So, but uh, yeah, besides that, it went it went awesome. And uh, they, Tony uh, was there at the show, and he, after watching that, was all on board the Chinella train. So that's how. Uh, me and AEW came up, came about. You, there, we had last week Eddie Edwards on, and we were talking to him about his aspirations later, whether he wants to be an agent or commentary, do any of that stuff. And he kind of poo pooed it, saying, "Look, I'm I'm in the prime of my ring ring career. Why do I want to do any of that now?" You're quite the opposite because it seems like every time I turn on Fight TV. I see you behind a booth or a mic somewhere, just really home in your craft, and you pop up on the most obscure stuff that I really enjoy watching you on. Is this kind of like 
working on a plan B, like, hey, listen, uh, I'm going to become a multifaceted wrestler. Is agenting or anything like that also on your horizon? Yeah, I've done, I've done a little bit of everything. Uh, booking, agenting, uh, commentary. Uh, I've done just about anything you, you can uh, think of uh, in the wrestling business. Um, it's also that I really have no backup plan. If the wrestling business is just one day just vanished for me, I would be kind of fucked. I'd be working at a uh, working at an Arby's or something. Nothing wrong with that, but just saying, uh, I never, I don't have a college degree and none of that, and I don't have a dental career or I'm not a tattoo artist on the side. So, uh, kind of just, uh, you know, try to get everything as good as possible in case one day I can't wrestle. Um, and, uh, I'll still have a job in this, uh, business through, uh, hard work and all the connections I've made over the last 16 years. Can, can I ask a follow-up question out of all the stuff you've done outside of the wrestling? Is there something you feel like you excel at, or you really enjoy doing? Just being creative. I think, um, my shows have proven a big, uh, big facet of my brain, um, just being creative, thinking of stuff outside the box, whether a lot of fans like it or they don't, uh, you know, it appeals to someone. Uh, I like all the flavors of ice cream. Uh, that's how I liked my wrestling as a teenager. I like the technical stuff, the comedy stuff, the deathmatch stuff. I, I grew up in a good time uh, to be an indie fan. Uh, so uh, kind of take a little inspiration from that and uh, just finding new talent as well. I, I've, I've, guided in the last few years a lot of new and upcoming talent towards big contracts and i've also helped guys reestablish themselves guys like pco and and others so so you, you talked about the 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 gcw the uh you know spring break what, what what number are you on now like coming up on i think this is this is next year in dallas i think that's six. Oh, six. Okay. Yeah. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Yes, there'll be six in it'll Dallas. Okay. So how'd you, did you come up with that idea or was that all your brainchild or like, how did that all happen? Uh, someone offered GCW a slot on the, the Gabe and, and Sal uh, in WWE. And they had like their little uh, independent like festival, uh, that weekend, um, WrestleMania weekend, they offered us a slot. They thought, how can we make this work? It's going to be a show at midnight. And uh, I was just coming up. I was getting a lot of buzz on uh, social media. And they came to me, and uh, they knew I could make it work. And uh, I said, let's just do something out of the box and do good indie wrestling combined with craziness like the Invisible Man combined with yeah. <laughs> bringing, bringing guys back. Um, that haven't been seen or past their prime and giving them a platform against some of the newer indie guys. So it was, uh, it worked out. It was awesome from the get go, from the first tweet, it was uh, a success. Basically what he said, Pete is you're not washed up enough to show up on any of this. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I'm not uh, another couple of years, Joey. What do you think? Maybe in a couple of years, you have to disappear. You have to disappear for five, oh, five maybe. years. Stop wrestling for five years and uh, I'll bring you back, you know, <laughs> and then I'll be yeah. a bigger star. Or that, that's it. I don't know. It worked for PCO. He, he won the Ring of Honor title, I think. So, yeah, I, know, I don't too. So, I mean, he's Canadian, too. Yeah. Yeah. I'll follow in his footsteps. All right. That's it. We'll just think of a new gimmick, like a Frankenstein gimmick or a Wolfman for you or something. I'm going to bring you it. back. That's it. I, nobody knows he wrestles now. That's the beauty of it. <laughs> So you, I, PD and I were just talking before you came on and we were talking about the documentary you were in and I, I gotta know, I mean that one of those Pete, I'm going to let you ask this cause this was kind of your question. Yeah. The please don't die. So I love that. I mean, I know it's a few years old and stuff like that. Um, but wh who was it like Ken Kenny Johnson or something like that? Yeah. Ken Kenny Johnson. And he's done a few, right? So how'd you, how'd you hook up with him and like, what made you want to do this documentary? It's fantastic documentary. Like, oh, thank you, pal. Yeah, I really hold that one close. Uh, we were just uh, 
I was coming up around, this was around the same time that I was about to, uh, I, I was getting my name out there and, uh, GCW was coming up and he wanted to film some stuff with me. And, uh, then, uh, the thing happened where I got thrown off a roof. I've talked about it enough. So I don't oh, think yeah. we have to go too much detail into that, but that happened and it kind of blew me up more. And he came and did a few interviews with me and just, uh, he made it a big project. And, uh, yeah, when I came out, I got a lot of buzz and, uh, you know, I think it's his most viewed uh, documentary, and he has a few on there with some uh, guys that became pretty successful. So I, I appreciate him uh, doing that for me. And I, so I have a couple follow-up questions that weren't answered, and I was I was thinking about when I watched that. So um, well documented that you know you, you had your first match and you were totally untrained. You knew nothing, right? Yes. Kinda, yeah. You know, you're like. I would have done the same thing, man. If I had the balls, I would have been like, yeah, man, I'm trained. I want to be a pro wrestler, you know? And you said you were 15 and you said you had the match and how it, you briefly touched on how it went. I want to know more detail how it went. And will you say who it was that you wrestled? Yeah. Yeah. The first match I won, but I want to know who it was. Cause I was like, I wonder who he wrestled. And if like, if he, if the dude was pissed and was like, kid, what are you doing? Like that kind of thing. No, no. The, these guys, the guy I guy wrestled is the guys that brought me in. So I was pretty safe in that oh, okay. matter. So by the time that, uh, the time that I, uh, the place I was at really, uh, I don't know. I, I think people liked me like, uh, the little juvenile runt that I was. So I really never got beat up or anything, uh, coming in, uh, the matches in front of four people somewhere four? in Pe- four people somewhere in Pennsylvania, the promoter of the show. We knew him through another backyard wrestler who wrestled with us. Um, I think I've only, I only learned how to bump and hit the ropes at that time and maybe do a couple of chain wrestling reversals. So, because I would set up the rings and they would go over stuff with me beforehand. But uh, yeah, that was it. I was pretty, I was, I got pretty hammered before the match, to be honest, at 15. <laughs> Uh, because the, when the promoter no showed, it was at this place owned by this guy, the Rock and Rebel, who I know Rock went out went out in an unflattering uh, way. Um, but he it was in his school, so he kind of took it over, and he got like four thirty packs of beer. Uh, he thought I was eighteen at least because you can't wrestle under eighteen in Pennsylvania, and uh, he just kept on giving me beer, and he said, it, "Hold it in your left." If I see it with in your right hand, you have to chug and grab another. By the time I wrestled, I think I was 12 deep. So at 15, right? At 15. <laughs> so that that was my first match. It was pretty cool to be honest. Because it was like, shit, I'm wrestling in a uh, a wrestling ring. Um, it's pretty pretty cool uh at that time, you know. And the only thing I wrestled on was a trampoline. So my, got that one. To... Go ahead. Yeah, I said I got that one done, and a few months later, the promoter asked, another promoter asked, a well-known Carney indie promoter asked, oh, I heard you did this show. Uh, how many tickets can you sell in your home area? I said, oh, about 10. Uh, and then uh, I only sold three or so, and I guess, I don't know, I guess they liked me somewhat because they kept me around. So, oh, Good. Now, then my other question for that documentary, I noticed – uh, you held up your phone. You're like, yeah, you know, uh, Kevin Owens blocked me. And you know, like, <laughs> so did you ever, so a well, two things, uh, did he unblock you? And cause I know this is years ago. And then do you ever find out like why he blocked you? Uh, he unblocked me. I, 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 I'm cool with him now. Uh, I was cool with it after he watched this, he watched this documentary. He unblocked me because <laughs> he was like, why did I block him? But going back, I think it was, because I took a picture of a, uh, a bouncer at a bar who resembled Kevin Owens. And I said, look, it's this bouncer looks like Kevin Owens. So he just blocked my ass. I think that was it. So, so ridiculous. All right. Oh, well, we're cool now. I, he lives actually right by me. I seen him at target, but, uh, it was during like the height of COVID. So I didn't want to go up and say hello to him because, uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> But we've I, never I, met besides me as a fan. That, that, that was the farthest we ever came uh, close to meeting. So we did meet, but I wasn't in the business yet. So 
you are a very creative guy and I kind of want to talk about your look, how you cultivated it. And do you spend any time thinking about how the bad boy character is going to evolve into the future or do you just write it out? And if something happens, maybe you'll take the turn with that. That's hard. I, uh, everything has to evolve. And I, I, and I've come to notice that in the last year, uh, because without a crowd being there for TV, I was at AEW when there when there was crowds there. I was selling, I was doing big merch for them, and uh, you know I was over. And then the crowds disappeared, and I had no crowd to rely on anymore. So that was hard because I'm a big, you know, just go, go with the crowd guy. Um, so the 2020 tried to kind of hurt me a little bit, but now I realize I have to evolve my character into something else to continue to move forward uh, and, you know, grow myself. It's like, uh, I'm trying to think what to compare it to. It's like uh, a, a cryptocurrency, I guess, you know, you just have to, you know, keep on, uh, it dips down a little bit, but then eventually it'll come back up. That's how I feel like it is. I'm not a big crypto guy or anything. I just, I don't know. I didn't know what to compare it to. So, <laughs> I mean, I got a little bit of crypto. I think we all do not. We don't have. To yeah. I have a little crypto. bit. I have yeah. a little bit. It's, it's down right now. Ethereum, you know, coin. I got, That's what I, yeah. Yeah. I lost coin. about a couple thousand in the last yeah, week. Yeah. So <laughs> it sucks. Um, but okay. So going back to the, the character. So would you be okay with like, Hey, I'm going to be bad boy. I'm going to be that, that moniker for my entire career. Are you like, Hey, you know, one day, I'm going to drop that bad boy. That's an easy heel turn. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to be like prim and proper, like Joey Janela. Or are you just like, no, man, I'm just going to ride this out till I die. No, I think the bad boy things, uh, I think I'll keep with that deal. Uh, heartbreak kid was always a heartbreak kid. If you know, he turned heel. Yeah. Right now he's a heartbreak kid and he's not a kid, no. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> definitely not. I think, I think just keeping that, uh, moniker, I got the trademark for it now because a few people try to come after me. So I got that. So I might as well just run with it, but there's definitely ways to evolve it into something else. And, uh, you know, we're working on that right now. And I think, uh, next year is going to be my biggest year, uh, yet as a, as a professional wrestler. That's, that's crazy because I, once again, from the documentary to where you were to where you are now, it, so many leaps and bounds in, I, I don't know if this is kind of part of your plan or you always knew that you could make it to this level and, and perform at the highest level is, I, I, I don't know. This might be a hokey question to ask you, but I mean, could you envision this when you were the 15 year old drunk boy being now prominent on AEW television? Not that you knew AEW would be around when you were 15, but I, I guess that's a hokey question I'm going to ask. I think I, I think I always, thought some some I'd make it somewhat in the business uh in my mid-20s I probably I was pretty confident that I was going to make some money in wrestling um so I think yeah you know I always thought I was going to do something I just uh I didn't know it was going to be a, a completely new company out of nowhere I thought I was always going to be the WWE um but yeah I just uh it's, it was a blessing that came and uh, I picked a great place to work because the person that runs, it's a great person, you know, and the people around me are great people and it's not, it's not corporate. I'm not tiptoeing uh, around the back, you know? So it's just, uh, I just picked a great place to work and I'm glad to be on board. No, everybody from, you know, that we talked to, that we interview on AEW or that works for AEW, they talk about how great the company is and how it's so different and stuff like that. Oh, here comes Dimitri. Um, let me get this question out before Dimitri hops on. So this, what you have is rare. Like a lot of people don't have that connection with the fans that you do. Like that's very rare to come by. Like, why do you feel the fans are connected to you? Like, do you feel like you, you got some sort of secret that, you know, you just know how to connect with them? I think it's, I, I'm always working to be honest. You know, I, I'm always, I, I, I mastered social media, you know, right now I, I, at the most polarizing point of my 
wrestling career. You either love me or you hate my guts and you know, you, you don't want to see me on TV or you don't want to see me succeed. It's because I'm always working because people don't know, you know, what's real and what's fake. And I think that's just, uh, that's why every week it seems like these days there's always some kind of dirt sheet headline with my name in it. Yeah. So I'm always working and, uh, you know, I just know how to, you know, you know, it's very, uh, it's a very strange thing. I think I just learned how to develop just being still young and starting in this business so young. So, well, before we, before we get into the, the news that you made, uh, you know, uh, I guess we'll say it last week with the mask and everything. Uh, let me introduce you to Dimitri Young. Okay. Hey, Dimitri. Dennis, Dennis, hey, how you doing, bad boy? Well, what's up? Oh, <laughs> uh, hey, not a whole lot, man. I just came back from Club Nip myself. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, I'm, I'm watching you. You got some funny stuff going on. <laughs> Thank you, pal. Thank you. Hey, you hey, you're very welcome. Did you want to throw out a question, Dimitri, before we move on? <laughs> Um, no, I was just kind of curious about um, the whole club nip thing because um, because I because I find it very fascinating, especially with you and Sunny Kiss breaking up and stuff. You know, I think that y'all had a uh, it was an interesting relationship to say the least. You know, because um, the things that that goes on there at um, AEW, they're doing things that no other company is doing, and so you know, I just. You know, I'm a fan and I like watching it. I'm just curious on what's going to happen in your future. Uh, I think it's the Nip Factory. I think Club Nip is another place in uh, <laughs> maybe in Sacramento or something. But yeah, we're just thinking of ways just to, uh, you know, just uh, do things different. And uh, they kind of just don't tell me what to say. So I just think of stuff. And uh, right now, I think that's uh, if we run with it a little bit more, stuff like that and stuff with the, uh, Alex Marvez, you know, I think it's going to uh, be very good for uh, me going forward. Uh, I feel like it will. Uh, I've never really had a chance really to talk in AEW and, and connect on a promo level, even though I always knew I could. And I think that was one of the issues with me and why I haven't in the last year really have gotten over and connected with the the new audience that's coming in is because I never got a chance to do those and talk and stuff. So I think I'm just going to keep on rolling with it and uh, everyone's loving it. So uh, yeah, God bless the nip factory. <laughs> God bless them. So let, let's move on away from wrestling, um, you know, making the news. So I, I uh, briefly read it, um, saw some clips. Uh, I'm, I'm still confused. I still don't know exactly like what happened? Can, can you walk us through like all of like what happened? So Drake Younger, he is a former deathmatch wrestler on the independence. When I was a teenager, he was probably the top American deathmatch wrestler. Um, he had some problems like most deathmatch wrestlers do. You're putting yourself through a lot of pain and stuff, especially when you're doing it full time, uh, became addicted to drugs and whatnot. Eventually he, got in shape he cleaned himself up he found god which i can't i can't harp on him for that um you know everyone has their way to you know get rid of those demons if they ever do get rid of them um and you know he got a job with wwe as a referee and he and he was with them for a very long time and he was respected there and he you know he was highly talked about and how he was a good guy, a nice guy, a great guy. And, you know, I respected him because he went from indie deathmatch wrestler to making a good living, making a family, having, and I'm not a God, I'm not a religious person, you know, uh, but, you know, I had to commend him for ch turning his life around. But recently he uh, started going off about crazy conspiracies and, and I've always been, I've always been, uh, infatuated with the people who, um, believe in the conspiracies, especially around when a mass shooting would happen or a terrorist attack and there were false flags and there was this and that. And I've always been infatuated with those people. And, uh, there's, those are the kind of people that I think that now believed in the whole HN QAnon theories. And some of them are just so ridiculous and, 
you know, I'm not a political person. I'm not going to say I'm a person on the left or in the middle. I just, you know, I really, you know, everything kind of is interesting to me uh, when it comes to politics and whatnot. And uh, it's just, uh, he just was going off and just, uh, just saying ridiculous stuff and people started to pick it up on the internet and people that he worked with started to kind of not like him anymore. And he started saying some crazy things which rubbed people the wrong way. And I started to pay attention more and more until one day, you know, which was all over the internet that he was just crazy conspiracy theorist guy who believed in this and that. And a lot of the bad groups out there that, you know, just, uh, sharing bad beliefs and uh one day i just saw a, a, a trump rally I, i'm not, i'm not gonna say i have friends that are trump supporters were trump supporters i've said that publicly before um you know i believe everyone should have a right to their voice right to their beliefs um but once you get over a certain you go to a certain point and you start spouting out these crazy beliefs or this racial racially insensitive stuff i kind of that's it i'm done with you uh but uh so he was going off and i saw this trump rally on the corner in orlando and i decided to just take a video of me going asking where drake is and uh that caught a little fire on the internet and he hit me up contacted me he goes why would you do me like that i've always supported you i've always talked highly of you why would you I, I had to explain to him, I'm like, listen, you know, you brought it on yourself by shouting these crazy things on the internet. And then, uh, he just, uh, he just, uh, I talked to him on the treadmill for 30 minutes and then he was trying to convince me why this, this is this or why this is good or why this isn't racist. And I just was like, this is ridiculous. All right. I'll, I'll hang up the phone. I'll probably hopefully maybe never talk to you again because some of the stuff you were saying was just ridiculous. Like it was just crazy. So then, you know, he got David Bixon span. He's a wrestling big time wrestling reporter and stuff. I've always been real tight with him and we always just message each other about the Drake stuff. And he would show me this new stuff, whether he's on this forum or this or on Facebook or his wife was posting this. So I always, like, oh, God, this guy has completely lost it. Eventually, WWE told him to knock it off publicly or we're going to fire you. He didn't knock it off. They suspended him. Uh, he came back. He did a meeting with some hosts in the backstage of NXT with his NXT, with a, not X somewhere, NXT, and he had his shirt on, and he did this like this, like Zoom meeting. And then uh, he got he got released. Um, so that was it. And then it started to get crazier after he got released. Now there's no filter. There's no one telling him what to say. So then yesterday I was bored. I just I was in Jersey for two weeks. And then I went to L.A. for Jungle Boy's birthday. And then I went to Wyoming for GCW, which was quite the quite crazy week for me. So went there, came back bored out of my mind because i just had fun for about 10 days just drinking and and having fun and i was bored yesterday and then i saw bixen span start tweeting about how he was watching a live youtube uh meeting uh school board meeting uh for them to take the masks off the kids and he's been spouting for weeks that the masks on the children are gonna cause some kind of sex trafficking ring where they can just snatch the kids up with the masks. And I don't, I don't know what that conspiracy is, but I think it's completely ridiculous. So Agreed. doing that. And he's been doing this, this thing at this school board meeting. And uh, I knew he lived close to me. So I hit up Vixen span. I said, how, I said, how far is that meeting? Give me the address. So then I type it in my GPS and it says 29 minutes. So then I hit up my, the promoter of GCW who I'm in a group and John Carlo, he was producer for WWE. They've been my good friends. We're in a group chat on uh, Facebook, just talking. Of, we're all, you know, yeah. kind of the ship of GCW runs in that 
that group chat. So then we're all just talking. And I said, I'm going to try to go to this meeting right now. And I said, all right, all right. I said, I wanted to go to the meeting, but I didn't have a proper disguise to get in the meeting. And I really wanted to go overboard with it. Uh, I really wanted to, to do a Sasha Baron Cohen bit um, and, and, and just mess with him. So I said, no, nah, I'm not going to be able to make it. I don't have this thing. I wanted to have props. I wanted to speak. So then I, so then I, w- I said, wait a second. It's 29 minutes. I talked to, I'd say to Brett, I said, I'm going to go try to do this. He said, they've been talking for two hours already. You're not going to make it in time. So I said, okay. I said, well, I hit up Bix. I said, how long do you think this is going to go? He goes, well, they've been talking for two hours and there's still all these speakers to go. So I went to the Ross store, which is basically like Marshalls with like discount clothing. I ran in there real quick. I found the first plaid shirt I could find, found a first tan pants I could find and a pair of gas station sunglasses, pulled them off $36. I go into the gas station. I see a bunch of, and I went to a Walgreens, see a bunch of Orlando baseball caps. I said, uh, someone going to this meeting would wear that. I took that. Oh yeah, definitely. I sped, I sped. I made it in, I think 29 minutes. I made it in 20 minutes. Now I have the feed on my phone. So I know, so I know right now I said, who's speaking? Drake just spoke. I missed him. I wanted to interrupt him, but I missed him. So I was just like, all right. So then I run out. I, I throw the pants on. I throw the shirt on as I'm driving. I have a pair of flip flops on. I said that that's something they would wear with this outfit. So I try to get it. I try to get in the door. It's locked. Everything is locked. I run around the building. I tracked every door. It's all locked. I said, all right. I hit a Bix. I said, everything is locked. Um, I said, I'm not getting in here. So then I look, I walk around again to the front door and now I notice there's a guard right there. So he runs to the door. He opens the door for me. I said, sorry, I just got out of work. Uh, where's the school board meeting for the mask mandate? And I said, Oh, it's right over there. So I run in <laughs> and I, t- <laughs> so then I run in and then I was like, so then I, I, I want to sit by the camera, but I messed up. And then always know what it is. I sat, I sat by, I sat by Drake and I I said, let's get a selfie, man. And he goes, hi, Joey. How you been? He knew it was me right away. He knew I was there to fuck with him. So I said, uh, so I said, Drake, you want to believe this? I'm a, I'm a big believer in Christ now. Um, I'm born again. I'm born again. I, I would like to speak. How can I speak at the podium? He goes, you got to fill out a form for that, buddy, beforehand. Mm. So then I'm like, oh, shit. I said, what do I do now? So then some guy, some professor or some doctor starts talking. And obviously, I'm starting to look around and people are starting to get disgusted by what this guy is saying. So then I just start. I start yelling at him. Your time is up. Your time is up. Your time is up. <laughs> And then I go, I go directly right behind the podium where the camera is, and I'm causing such a stir. Whoever changes the camera angle so they can't see me. So I'm like, all right. So then some woman sheriff walks up to me. She goes, she goes, you you spat again. You're gonna get kicked out. At this point, I'm like, I'm like, Jesus, do I really want to get arrested for this? Um, I, I would take the arrest, and I I could just get a GoFundMe and, and get not pay a, a cent from these fans that love this stuff. I start yelling. I just start yelling again, start yelling again. I'm like, this is this. I said, I'm just frustrated with this mask bullshit. And I just walk out. Now I think they're on to me that there's something going on with me that I'm not there for the right reasons. So as I'm walking out, I notice there's two guys in suits I guess they're with the school board and a couple cops. They follow me outside, but I'm speed walking through the front door just to, I guess, to, just to make sure I'm out for good. So, and I go out and I jump my car and then there's a whole flock of people out front, just like looking at me and jumping my shitty uh, Toyota Yaris 2009, I think it is, that still runs somehow. And I speed away. I see everyone out there. I go, oh shit. So then I hit up Bix. I hit up a few other people that are watching. I said, did you see me? Did you see what I did? And everyone's like, no, you fucked up. They said, we didn't see anything. We didn't see you at all. 
I go, oh man, I messed up. I blew my opportunity. I said, damn it. I said, I should have sat in this seat. Should have done this. I messed up. So then, uh, so then later in the night, I just decided to post a selfie and post a thing and post a little tweet saying, uh, with all these hashtag crazy hashtags and whatnot. And it caught fire. It caught fire. Uh, people loved it. And, uh, I was like, all right, at least we made, we made something good out of it. And everyone's laughing. And then people started to pull clips out of the, the meeting where you can kind of hear me going off. And, and then today I, I haven't slept the last few days. I woke up at 3 PM. I look at my Twitter and my Twitter is just swamped. Uh, it's either people that think I was actually there for to lift the mask mandate. And I was now a QAnon guy and uh, right wing extraordinaire uh just i then i noticed that people were that cornet picked up on it and he actually i actually worked him into thinking that i was that as well which <laughs> is not the first time i worked jim cornet that's why he hates me so much uh because i oh i'm always working and i'm probably one of the only people to work him and his followers and i'm one of the only people that can spat back with him so he retweeted something and and said that we're two peas and we should be locked away in an institution or something saw that so so then everyone so then everyone starts either they know they're in in on the joke there's those people that loving this knew i was trolling these people there's the people that think i'm now a right-wing guy and there's also people who knew i was joking but they hate me so much that they said i brought too much attention to drake and i platformed him and because of my outburst i possibly could have costed the the pro mask people, the meeting. And uh, it was just a whole shit storm of social media. Then I scroll down more and then someone pulled out a news clip of me storming out on the news. I said, okay. They're like this man. He, <laughs> he stormed out after an outburst. And then it really started to get traction. So, all right. So that was it. And uh, I got a text from a Florida number. Uh, earlier today and it was drake he said uh nice to talk to you for a short bit last night he goes i'm right down the street if you need anything and then <laughs> and i don't so i don't know if i worked him into thinking that I, i'm on i'm really a born again christian guy and right-wing guy maybe maybe he can convert me no nah, I, mean, I don't think so never but uh yeah it's just it was a a fun thing and uh you know People just really enjoy this. It was just ridiculous. It was just a very Andy Kaufman-esque thing uh, to add to my repertoire of just a ridiculous timeline of a wrestling career. So now, I, I got to say something, Joey. Uh, a, phenomenal story. But yeah. B, if you don't start showing up on anything AEW and storming out in that outfit, whether it's being the elite and whatnot, you are missing a golden opportunity <laughs> Bad we <clears throat> Janelle, the stormer. I think we need to do something on being the elite. You just especially scenes. Hey, I when think, we uh, get when we get wrapped up in here, like late, like in, in a little bit. Will you storm off of our show? That's it. I'll <laughs> just hang out and storm out the door. <laughs> Go to it the nip factory. The nip factory, that or Big Mommy Milkers, Dimitri. <laughs> would you want to go to Big Mommy Milkers? You like the big mommy milk? <laughs> Motorboat. Yes, sir. Oh, boy. Oh boy. <laughs> I mean, he's a team MOB all-star. Of course he does. Yeah. Yeah, we got we to gotta get some drinks sometime, especially if you like the big mommy milkers <laughs> like I do. Uh, indeed. <laughs> wow. Uh, I, I'll be honest. This, this story is going to blow the podcast up. Uh, I can't wait for it. Thank you so much for telling us this on the podcast. Yeah. No, I think this is going to get some traction, especially they, I haven't done a podcast in about a year. I usually have to go through uh, a publicist or some shit. I just said, fuck it for you guys. I just said, I, I'm going to do this podcast because uh, you guys, I, you, you listed the people that are on this podcast. And I just like, this is an interesting dynamic as I ever, as I ever heard for a podcast. So I'm just going to go with the flow and go for it. And uh, just so happened that stuff happened yesterday, but I think it's going to get a, a lot of traction me telling this story because it's the first time I'm telling the story in full detail. So, so what, 
for the people watching at home, this is pre-recorded. And we are actually recording this interview like the day after. So what we'll probably end up doing is taking a chunk of this, putting this out in the news now. And then, you know, you guys will be able to watch the rest of it, you know, when it airs on Fight TV. So we'll discuss with our our publicists and stuff like that to see how we want to we we want to. Yeah, yeah. you guys can do whatever you want. Like, I'm 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 cool. Like, uh, I, I think I. I risk getting in trouble enough by doing stupid stuff like I did yesterday. <laughs> I don't think a, a podcast is uh, too much on the radar right now. But the benefit for it I want to talk about is you auctioning off the outfit, which if, to me is the best part of the story because you are pulling some good from it. It doesn't – it's not just a Joey Janelle the bad boy prank or you you know getting some laughs on someone. You're actually doing good because of this. Yeah, uh, the big thing with Drake is he's very uh, like a lot of born again Christians are. They're very against uh, pro choice. They're very pro life people. I, I believe in pro choice, you know, for sure. And uh, I figured it'd just be something cool just to auction off this outfit. And the bids are getting pretty. They're getting pretty decent. I think at someone said at eleven fifty nine, they're just going to make a big bid just to get the outfit. And I hope that happens because it would be great to see a great bid go to charity. I'll send them the outfit tomorrow. I'll sign it. And who knows? Who knows? This is one of those stories that could go throughout the years. I've always, since I was a kid, I would get the pro wrestling almanac or, you know, I was never really, or read the, the shitty dirt sheets on the internet as a, as a kid. And there's always the stories I'd never heard from when I was real little. I would hear as a teenager and, and read about and just, uh, just ridiculous stories. Like, like the story of me and Enzo getting into a, almost a fight at a bleak blood 82 show has haunted me. And, uh, <laughs> for the last few years, um, it's just one of those stories that's always going to be there. Like the, I forgot who Hawk got into a fight with at a uh, Metallica show or something in the bathroom or just just stupid, crazy stories that you can't believe that's a real thing. But thank God social media exists in, in 2021. So it's all documented. Absolutely. Dimitri. Yeah, I'm glad that it happens now because when I, my playing days, if we had social media, there'd be a whole bunch of people not playing. So I'm oh, glad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. There'd be a whole lot of people. A lot of uh, people would be uh, <laughs> cut short there uh, in the wrestling business as well. Uh, but thank God social media is around these days for stuff like this and uh, kind of uh, weird stories with a feel-good ending. And I hope, you know, I hope it ends well for him because I don't know. He's far gone right now. Uh, Drake, as I'm saying, is just uh, who knows. But, uh, you know, I don't hate the guy. Uh, you know, I, I just find these people very interesting. I always found these people very, very interesting. Let's change the subject a little bit and talk a little bit more about you because that's why you're here. And, you were a wrestling fan what what did you cut your teeth on what was some of the wrestling that you kind of hark back to is what you grew up on uh man at, at first it was always the colorful stuff the hook hogan's the warriors of the world kind of fell out of wrestling for a few years and then i came back when the cruiserweights were blowing up mysterio jericho ultimo dragon WCW. It kind of brought me, yeah, WCW brought me back in. Then Steve Austin really just engulfed me. That just really, that was it for me. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin and the Attitude Era just kind of, you know, captured me. And then after that, it was uh, just, I found out about ECW. And ECW just uh, big time, big time uh, changed my life which then got me into some of the independents afterwards that kind of uh, tried to fill the place of ECW, the CCWs, the Ring of Honors, and uh, some of that stuff. And then, uh, you know, I was always a big fan of, along with ECW, I found out about the deathmatch stuff in Japan, FMW, Big Japan. And I got those tapes from tape traders and stuff at uh, indie shows. And uh, yeah, that was it. 
And then, uh, you know, it was only five years later that I found my way into the wrestling business. And I was trying to get the CZW right away, going to CZW shows, still trying to talk to Zandig, telling him I would do a death match at 16 years old. Uh, and he had just, you know, probably obvious bullshit. Oh, yeah, kid, you would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I talked to Zandig and his son trying to get into CZW. Eventually, 19, I did weasel my way into there, but not as much as I'd like. And maybe four years after that, that's when I really came into my own and got the CCW and started from there, getting in all the top indie promotions. And uh, yeah, that was it for me. So uh, just a comment. So first off, when you uh, you know had your death match with Zandig, a great Canadian destroyer he did on you. Love it. Yes. <laughs> um, but so... Uh, untrained okay but you know you started when you're 15 and all that kind of stuff and went up right but like obviously you're a good worker okay who who has helped you out along the way since then like who, who are the ones that are like hey hey kid you know maybe you should try this try that like you know who kind of took you under uh their wing there's still a misconception that i'm untrained now that's well, not that's the case at the, all okay that's what you it, it's it's reported that you're like hey I, i'm untrained yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why people, that's a lot of haters. A lot of people just say, oh, that's why like, they just say, oh, yeah, he's on train. He's a, a risk in the ring. No, I've, after I started wrestling, I found a guy in Philly named Teddy Fine. Trained with him for a year at the Pro Wrestling Unplugged School. Trained with Trent Acid a little bit. Oh, Trent. Yeah. Uh, yeah Trent was a big inspiration to me, kind of uh, right before his death started to take me under his wing and stuff. Um, Trent Acid. And then, after that, I started hitting camps and seminars. I have a who's who of camp and seminar list. I have over 50 seminars and camps. Um, then I started just training at schools all around. Um, eventually, ended up in CZW in 2009. Trained there for a good eight months. Uh, when I realized DJ Hyde was a, a kind of a dipshit and wasn't going to book me as he promised, I kind of bailed out of there. Just started doing the indies training. Then I started training under Pat Buck yeah. at uh, Pro Wrestling Syndicate. Uh, I trained with him around maybe two years um, in Rahway, New Jersey. Uh, then we had a falling out. We're real tight. We're cool now. Um, but I trained under him. And then I went back to CCW after that, trained, uh, started working with uh, Tracy Williams and Drew Gulak. Uh, who kind of said to DJ, like, you got to give this guy a chance. He's really good. So then I trained there and then that was kind of it when it came to, uh, that was the end of my training. I don't like to train these days cause yeah, I fucked my body up enough and, you know, training three days a week is not going to really benefit me. It's going to more hurt me these days. I rather just wrestle more, uh, in front of crowds and whatnot. So. That's a that clears the misconception that I'm still untrained. I've trained more than a lot of guys, to be honest. You know, uh, just uh, over the years. You know, I really I've spent over twenty thousand probably in, in camps and seminars. So, Dimitri, you so, get last question. Well, I mean, everything that you guys are talking about, I was gonna follow up with. Um, with all the training and stuff that you did, were there a group of guys, a certain person that was like your running buddy, somebody that you confided in on your way up? Uh, I don't know. Not really. I don't, I don't know. I, I know you mentioned trying Trent, to think. Trent Acid, like it seems Tr like. Yeah, he was a big inspiration to me as a teenager. And then I kind of just uh, – he kind of knew me since I was 15. I always just uh, messed with me and stuff. And I was just always like, I always thought Trent Acid at that time was one of the best workers, even though we all knew he was, he was fucked up on something, but uh, he just went to prison and then he got out of prison and uh, I think he went to prison twice. He got out the second time and the promoter that I started with Dapper, who I sold tickets for coming up, he was like, he was really putting me on all the shows now. And, he would put me against the shitty ticket sellers because you know I can make them look good and give them something. So he give me, he's like, Trent is getting out of jail this week. How would you like to wrestle him? I said, that'd be awesome. And I got to wrestle him about four months before he, he passed away. And uh, we really just, you know, 
cool. He told me never to fly myself overseas. I said, my big goal was to go to Japan. He said, don't ever fly yourself there and you're fucking Mark. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you, you'll never get things. It'll feel better when you actually make it there. And I finally did make it there with GCW. It was only a short tour, but it did feel really good to finally make it to Japan. Uh, but right now when things open up, I'll be going over there. Uh, there's a lot of interest over there. So I'll be going over there hopefully for a full tour depending on, on, uh, AEW, uh, restrictions. Yeah. Well, where can people find you? What are some of the next shows that you're going to be either doing commentary on or, or booking? I just let the fans do everything, man. Uh, I'll be coming back soon. I'm dealing with a little injury right now, a little concussion deal. So shit happens. Everyone knows that it's wrestling, all sports. Everyone gets concussions. So I'll, I'll be clear for that. I think in the coming weeks, uh, maybe the coming weekend. Uh, so I'll be good. I'll be doing, uh, hopefully some AEW stuff soon. Things were about to pick up for me there. Uh, right, right before that happened. So, I got a couple of GCW shows. I think I'm on every GCW show this summer. Uh, we got shows July, beginning of July in Texas, in Houston and Dallas. I think that's July 9th and 10th. Right. Then the next week they go to Mexico. I won't be there for that. Then the weekend after that is uh, the big shows in Atlantic City, Homecoming. Um, I'm going to be on those shows. There's Those are the some of the biggest GCW shows ever. Uh then the week after that, I think it's a couple week break. Then we're going to go to Los Angeles, back in Los Angeles. And um, Los Angeles, SummerSlam weekend, we're going to be in Las Vegas. Um, and then they're going to be in Chicago uh, all out weekend. I won't be on those shows, but I'm pretty packed up this summer when it comes to indie stuff. I'm only choosing to do GCW right now, uh, which is my home promotion besides AEW. But uh, whatever shows I'm not wrestling on, I'll be doing commentary on. So. Wow. That's just to sharpen my skills. And, uh, you know, I just like hanging out with the, that's my crew. I like hanging out with the boys and these guys are probably the last real, they say the tagline for GCW is the last outlaws. And I think that in the case of partying after the shows and, and not sleeping for three days and, uh, just delivering in the ring, I think it's the closest thing to ECW as there ever was because these guys like, that team right now, that roster is definitely the craziest partying roster I've ever been a part of. <laughs> well, I just like partying with the boys. That's it. <laughs> it's like uh, on TV now, I, I learned my lessons uh, about showing up to a 20-hour TV day while hungover. being hung over, hungover. I've learned my Ooh. lesson big time. So I used to do all the indie shows hungover. I never had a problem because I could go sleep under a table or something and, and be all right for my match. TV is a whole different animal. And I, oh, yeah. I learned that very quickly. <laughs> so I leave the, I leave the part, I separate the partying and the, and, and a AW. And, uh, I, I, I save that stuff for the, uh, my indie, my indie, uh, outlaw fuck fest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are all massive fans of yours on this yes. podcast. And hopefully next time we'll get you on Lars and D Mac will both be on because I know they both would love to just sit down and, and chew the fat with you, but we appreciate you stopping by and talking to us. Reed. Oh yeah. Thank you guys. Petey, yes. We got to get you on. Thanks. We got to get you on. We got to get you on GCW. If you, if you're, you're willing for yeah. sure. Hell yeah. yeah. Man. Um, I'll talk to, I'll talk to Brett ASAP. As soon as this is over, we're, we got to figure out something because too many fucks using your uh, move and not doing it correctly. <laughs> I, at least, at least, at least, at least, I think Marty Janetti, to be honest, is is done it the best to me than uh, most of these indie fucks. So yeah, hey, hey, man, you know <laughs> that's it. I'd be I'd be more than happy, man. Let's let's make yeah. that happen. All right, let's make it happen. Hell yeah! For everybody at home, the podcast is over. We'll say our goodbyes off the air. Thank you so much for watching the Wrestling Perspective, and we'll see you next week, guys.